Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's happening? A good Monday morning to all of you. Thanks for joining me. As always, it is much appreciated. A holiday edition of the Nick Cattle Show. No days off type mentality this week. We're going to go full throttle, as Tom Warner would say, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. right here on YouTube. Of course, Facebook, Twitter, slash X, and Spotify, Apple Pods for the audio version of this pod. We'll discuss Baker Mayfield in a moment. But first, we've got some breaking Patriots news from this morning. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN just posted about 30 minutes ago, Trent Brown's contract will void today without an extension from the team, setting him up to be a free agent. The team will carry a $2 million dead cap into 2024 from Brown's previous contract. Now, this does not fully close the door on Trent Brown. The Patriots, of course, can bring Brown back at a different contract number that he might think he's going to get right now as the offseason rolls along. It might work out, but I would say it's very unlikely that Trent Brown will be a Patriot in 2024 after the news today, because why would the Patriots take that $2 million dead cap hit if they wanted to keep Brown on this football team? It wouldn't make much sense, right? Why would you allow somebody to walk into free agency if you were dead set on keeping him? Just allowing him to get to free agency, to talk to other teams, means that you're not necessarily in love with the idea of keeping Trent Brown and not everyone in the building reportedly likes Brown. So that's another problem, right? He rubs some people the wrong way. And of course he loves to talk. Now, some of that is good. I found some of the stuff that Trent Brown had to say to A to Z sports earlier uh, this off season. I I found it somewhat refreshing that he could be so honest and talk about some of the shortcomings of this football team and how the football team was run, but he talks an awful lot. And I think right now, Gerard Mayo, this coaching staff, they're trying to get away from the drama. And the last thing that you want is somebody who constantly talks to the media, constantly tweets and posts on Instagram, all of those things, right? So I think you stay away from the drama that Trent Brown brings. And that has really been the hallmark of his career, unfortunately for him, because nobody is doubting Trent Brown's talent. Brown is a very, very talented left tackle. He is somebody who could be a top three, top five tackle in this game if he is fully invested, but we just have not seen the fully invested Brown consistently enough to believe that he's going to be that guy and to reward him with a contract. I would imagine a contract that he hopes he gets with big time money. 
So today, right now, February 19th, less than month, one month away from free agency, certainly seems like Trent Brown is gone. He will not be a New England Patriot, which really, really makes us think about this offensive line in the offensive tackle position. Because now with Brown likely out, you look at Mike Wenu, and we talked about Wenu weeks ago. It is crucial for the Patriots to sign Mike Wenu. I think that is number one as far as free agent priorities with your own guys is to bring back Wenu. And he might end up being a right guard at the end of the day. But if he's a right guard, he's going to be an all-pro level type guard. You don't know about Cole Strange coming off the injury. David Andrews is long in the tooth. You're walking away from Trent Brown. You're hoping, fingers crossed, that City So can work out for you at right guard. Antonio Maffi still looks like he needs a lot of work, and he's a very raw kind of prospect. Did not see a ton of James Andrews, the other Andrews in this offensive line. So if you're looking at it right now, to have some stability, I think it's so much more important today, right now, to sign a Wenu than it was even yesterday because of this Trent Brown news. So there's some breaking news this morning with the Patriots, with the offensive line. They have decided not to extend Brown. Brown will hit free agency, and I would imagine he will be gone from this program and be playing elsewhere in 2024. Door's still open. Wouldn't fully close it just yet, but I find it hard to believe that he returns. All right, another need for this team, and we've talked an awful lot about this, is quarterback. But a note over the weekend jumped out to a lot of people. Again, it was Jeremy Fowler. And today, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they have the same decisions to make with Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans that they have to make with, you know, others around the league when you look at Trent Brown with the Patriots. You've got to figure out if you want to try to extend these guys right now because you have these voided years within the contracts that will mess around with the salary cap. So today is a big day. The Buccaneers could sign Evans to a long-term extension. They could sign Baker Mayfield to a long-term extension. Now we found out. Now, we found out today, this morning, that it's very, very unlikely that Mike Evans is going to reach an agreement with the Buccaneers today. So if you're a Patriots fan and you're looking at wide receiver help in free agency, it was a good day today because Evans and the Buccaneers are reportedly far apart with their conversations. Jordan Schultz reported that earlier today. So it doesn't look like Mike Evans is going to agree to any kind of extension with the Bucs today. And it doesn't seem like Baker Mayfield is going to do that either. So here was Jeremy Fowler, ESPN, talking about Baker Mayfield this weekend. While Tampa is the clear-cut favorite to re-sign Mayfield, anything can happen in free agency. And the Patriots' new brain trust, including lead personnel man Elliot Wolf and personnel executive Alonzo Highsmith, were part of the Browns' regime that took Mayfield number one in the 2018 draft. They believed in him. Now, let's stick a pin in that. We'll get back to Mayfield. But I do want to thank Charlie for his super chat. He sent in a $10 super chat, says Baker got that moxie. So Charlie sounds like he would be a fan of bringing Baker Mayfield in. I remind all of you as well, like Charlie did, if you send a super chat, first of all, it helps me financially, which I really appreciate. Second of all, it helps you jump the line to the front so you can get your comment and question through. Charlie, thank you. A consistent contributor to this program. I appreciate you, my man. So Baker Mayfield, how do we feel about it? Do you like the idea? Do you not like the idea? Maybe you hate the idea. Maybe you love it. I want to say this first. Before I look at Baker, 
To me, the number one option is still drafting a quarterback at number three. If you love one of or both Daniels in May. And when you talk about how this is all going to fall together this offseason, you've got free agency first in the draft. So you have to love, if you're the Patriots, you have to love both Daniels and May if you're going to pass up somebody like a Baker Mayfield. It can't be Daniels or May because you don't know who you're going to have at number three. There's no guarantee that it's going to be May. There's no guarantee it's going to be Daniels. So if you love Drake May, but you're not sold on Jaden Daniels, then this becomes very difficult because now you have to look at somebody like Baker Mayfield and say, well, do I pass up the opportunity to sign Baker on the chance that the guy that we love falls to us at three or we're willing to make a trade to move up to two to guarantee that it's going to be May or Daniels, whichever that we love. If you love both, though, if Wolf and Highsmith and this scouting staff looking at this quarterback class, they say, we love Daniels, we love May. We're fine with either one of those guys falling to us. If that is the case, then you don't sign a Baker Mayfield. Why? Because it's the three C's. I don't know if I should copyright this or not. But I'm going to call it the three C's, the three C's of drafting a quarterback that you love at number three. The first C is the ceiling. When you draft Drake May, Jaden Daniels, you're drafting them because you believe in their ceiling. You're not drafting them because of what they are right now. You're drafting them because of what you believe they can be two years, three years from now. And you are buying into that ceiling being very high with the potential of being a true franchise QB1 for the next 15 years. So the first C is the ceiling. The second C is the contract. Rookie-scale contract, you draft your quarterback in the top three. That quarterback is guaranteed to be your guy for the next five years if you pick up that 50-year option. And you have the contract that is the rookie scale, which allows you to spend elsewhere at wide receiver, at offensive tackle. You know, unlike what the Patriots did with Mac Jones's rookie contract when they were signing guys like Nelson freaking Aguilar and giving Devontae Parker an extension. I digress. So the first C is the ceiling. The second C is the contract. The third C is the clock. Because if you draft Daniels or May because you love those guys, you believe that guy is going to be your franchise quarterback for the next 15 years. You don't have to go out and sign somebody who might be with you for the next four, five, eight years. You have your answer at the most critical position for the next decade, decade plus. So the three C's, if you love who's going to be there at number three, you draft that quarterback because of the three C's, the ceiling, the contract, and the clock. That's why you make that move. All right, before I give you more thoughts on the quarterback position and get into Baker Mayfield, give us that like. All the thumbs up means the world to us. Of course, if you're watching on YouTube, take a second of your time. Go down to that thumbs up. Just click it, and that will help us grow this community. And also, we're looking for subscriptions here. If you subscribe, we appreciate it. Trying to hit 2,000 subscribers by March 1st. We're inching towards the goal. We're about 80 or so away from the 2,000 goal. we got about a week and a half left. So when you're at YouTube and you're watching this, if you enjoy the content, like it, subscribe to it, and also you can throw your comment in as well, which we will get to in a few minutes, as far as Baker goes, the Jeremy Fowler report, and I don't even know if I would call it a report, what Jeremy Fowler is saying to me is speculation. He's not telling us 
that the Patriots would absolutely go after Baker Mayfield. He's not telling us that Baker Mayfield's interested in New England. All he's saying is that the Cleveland Browns front office, when they drafted Baker Mayfield, Wolf and Highsmith were in that front office. So I do not take this as a report. I don't take this as Jeremy Fowler saying that's what would happen. If Baker doesn't go to the Bucs, if he doesn't stay with the Bucs, he could go to the New England Patriots. Now, I think there's a little bit of speculation here, and I think there's a little bit of connecting the dots. We're going to leave some stuff out there. We're going to leave the path open to Baker leaving Tampa and maybe going somewhere else. You also have to wonder, is this from Mayfield's management, right? Is this Baker's agent working overtime, talking to Jeremy Fowler and saying, hey, don't forget, the guys who are running the Patriots now, they were in that Browns front office when Baker was the number one pick. There absolutely could be some of that game going on. So I don't think this is telling us that the Patriots would be interested in Baker. They want Baker or Baker wants them or be interested in them. I don't take that from what Fowler said. Let's also recognize we have to acknowledge that John Dorsey was the guy who made the call in the Browns front office. It was his decision to draft Baker. Now, would Dorsey draft Baker if Wolf and Highsmith weren't fans? I don't know. I don't know how Dorsey works behind closed doors. I don't know if this is a situation where they all sat at a table and they went around that table and people said, I like Baker, I like Baker, I like Baker, and everybody liked Baker and they drafted Baker. I don't know. But John Dorsey is the one that pulled the trigger. Elliot Wolf did not draft Baker Mayfield number one. Alonzo Highsmith did not draft Baker Mayfield number one. We have to remember that. John Dorsey is, you know, nowhere near the New England Patriots as far as we know right now, right? He's working elsewhere in the league. He's working in Detroit. So we have to remember that. Baker Mayfield as a target, again, if you're not going to draft a quarterback at number three, if you don't love those guys that are going to be available, yes, Baker Mayfield makes sense. To me, he makes sense for the Patriots. He fits the West Coast scheme with the bootleg action, right? Somebody who has a strong enough arm. He doesn't have an electric arm, but he has a strong enough arm. He is the guy that can move around in the pocket. He has enough athleticism. Baker really, really fits the quick decision-making West Coast offense. He does. So that's number one. If you want to look at a quarterback that will be available this offseason, if you are interested in signing a quarterback going that route, Baker is a fantastic fit with what you think the Patriots are going to do offensively. So he fits the scheme. He fits the idea of this offense. Secondly, Baker has a history with Alex Van Pelt. I found it interesting that Fowler brought up Wolf and Highsmith, but he did not bring up Alex Van Pelt. Van Pelt worked with Baker. There's a relationship there between the two guys. So the offensive coordinator would get a starting quarterback that he knows like the back of his hand, knows his strengths, knows his weaknesses, knows how to utilize Baker at that position. So the history with Van Pelt, the fit within the scheme makes a lot of sense. Now, is Baker all world? I don't think Baker's all world. He's somebody that I would call high floor, a high floor QB one. I think we know what Baker Mayfield is as a starting quarterback in the league. It's a good thing. It's a bad thing because Baker's not going to knock your socks off. He's not going to be a top five quarterback in the league. He's unlikely to be a top eight quarterback in the league. 
but he's somebody who has a high floor. He's somebody who could be top 12, right? Somewhere in that range. So you know what you're getting from Mayfield. And he's also going to be only 29 years old in April. So if you sign Baker, you arguably have seven, eight years left with him. If you believe he can be the guy, which obviously the Patriots would believe that if they go out and sign him and give him the contract that he's going to get this offseason, if you believe that he can be the guy, then you have him for the next seven, eight, nine years. So you're not going out there and signing somebody who's in their mid to late 30s and you say, all right, the window's going to close here quickly. You're bringing somebody in who is still in their late 20s and arguably, given his history in the league, is hitting his prime right now. So the age makes sense. The fit makes sense. The relationship makes lots of sense. If you do bring in somebody like Baker, if the Patriots signed Baker Mayfield, you have to hit. You have to nail the build-around-him program. If you're going to bring in somebody with a high floor and not a dramatically high ceiling, you have to surround that person with the right pieces. And by signing Baker, it opens the door for you to find those right pieces. Because with Baker, you can now look at that number three pick and you can entertain the idea of trading that third pick in the draft for an absolute crazy haul. Oh, the New York Giants want to move up for a quarterback? Fantastic. The Falcons want to move up? Awesome. That's great news for us if you're the Patriots front office, right? Now, I don't want the Patriots to go from number three to like number 12 or 13. I don't want that, you know, significant of a drop. But if you tell me that the Falcons or the Giants are willing to give up almost everything to move up to three and you have Baker signed, sealed, and delivered, now you can trade that third pick and get an absolute haul and you start addressing right away, tackle, wide receiver, tight end, you start hammering offense in this draft with those extra picks, with that draft capital that you get from trading down from number three. And I know some people wouldn't be thrilled. Oh, you're trading down again. That's what Bill Belichick did. If you can get a haul for it, and you're going to go tackle a receiver in the first round, again, I don't think there is a, a as big of a gap between Marvin Harrison Jr., and Roma Dunze and Malik Neighbors, as some believe there is. I think if you draft Neighbors or you draft a Dunze, you are drafting a stud wide receiver one. So the question would be, would you rather have a Dunze or Neighbors and the draft capital that you got from, say, the Giants or the Falcons, or would you just want Marvin Harrison Jr., the individual, the one guy without the extra assets? To me, it's clear. I would rather have a Dunze or Neighbors with extra picks versus Marvin Harrison all by himself, as great as I think Harrison can be. He is a surefire stud, right? But if you're telling me you're picking up a second-round pick this year, maybe a first next season, and you get one of those stud receivers in a Dunze or neighbors, that, to me, it's clear. Clearly the better option over just bringing in Marvin Harrison Jr., no matter how much you love Marvin Harrison Jr., so you have to nail the build-around program. You deal the third pick for a haul. You load up on tackle, receiver, tight end in the draft. And you wonder, let's not forget, could you get a package deal? I don't think it's crazy to believe that if you brought in Baker Mayfield, you then could also look at somebody like Mike Evans. And Evans just finished playing this last season with Baker in Tampa. Could you possibly land both guys? Imagine. 
and this is, you know, look, this might be pie in the sky, perfect world scenario. But imagine if you could sign Baker Mayfield to like a four or five year contract. You could sign Mike Evans on a two or three year deal. Right. Then you go into the draft and you draft one of these, you know, really good wide receivers, whether it's in the first round or the second round. Maybe you move down a six of the Giants and you draft somebody like Joe Alt. I mean, you want to talk about a crazy offseason. Signing Baker, signing Mike Evans, trading down a couple of spots for a haul, drafting Joe Alt, and then using that extra draft capital to draft a wide receiver who you think might have a shot at being a wide receiver one in the next two years. Now you have Mike Evans, that rookie wide receiver. I said it in a recent podcast that we did. I would double dip in this draft at wide receiver. So you have Mike Evans, two young wide receivers out of this draft to go along with Pop Douglas. You bring back Kendrick Bourne. You say goodbye to Devontae Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster. Now you're talking, right? Joe Alt at left tackle, Baker Mayfield quarterback, Mike Evans with two receivers from this draft to go along with Pop Douglas at wide receiver. Now you start to build this puzzle. You start to build this up, and you start to realize that, hey, we might be able to compete within the next year or two if we can get something like that done. Again, that is a pie-in-the-sky hypothetical scenario, but I don't think it's pie-in-the-sky to believe if you signed Baker, you'd have a good chance at bringing Mike Evans along with him. And if it's a package deal, now we're talking about something different than just Baker Mayfield in the vacuum. If you ask me today, I would say I don't think Baker's leaving Tampa. I think he will be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer next season. However, I would not dismiss the idea of bringing Baker in here and, again, building around him with the assets you have at your fingertips, you would still have a lot of money to spend in free agency. You would still have those picks. And if you traded the third pick, you'd have even more picks to use. Peter Jacoby talks about uh, Jacoby Brissett. You want the cheaper contract or you think Brissett would be better? Um, Jacoby says he doesn't think that Brissett could hold down the fort. You know, I think Jacoby Brissett is a good idea as somebody who could be the backup slash bridge quarterback or somebody who could be that veteran presence if you do draft a young Q at number three. If you draft Daniels or May, you have Brissett behind those guys to help, you know, get them caught up to NFL speed. And if you're not comfortable with May or Daniels starting week one, then you could play Brissett through the first four to six weeks and then reevaluate the situation, right? You could play Brissett the entire season and have those young guys learning behind him to step up next year, not 2024, but 2025. If you're sitting there in 2024 saying, well, we can play those guys in year two. We can play them next year. We'll play Brissett this year. That kind of scenario, that kind of situation would make sense. Nelson Lloyd says, what about Gardner Minshew? He's a name I'd look at 100%. Again, if we're talking bridge quarterback, we're talking veteran guy, somebody who you could trust to at least start this season if you think uh, the the rookie quarterback, if that's the route you go at number three, if you think that rookie quarterback needs more time in the oven, needs a little bit more seasoning, so to speak, then somebody like Gardner Minshew makes a lot of sense. I, I would be fine. I would be fine with, with Gardner Minshew. Matt Couture says, don't pay mid-tier quarterbacks. Here's the thing, though. I understand that viewpoint. I do. 
I understand the idea of like Baker Mayfield doesn't have a tremendously high ceiling. If you pay him, you won't be able to pay other guys. What are you going to do if you continue to win nine or 10 games? Here's my question though. Are we just looking at trying to find an all type generational quarterback? Because we can sit here and we can play this game. Okay. Again, I would draft a quarterback at three. If I love Daniels in May, I would not sign Baker Mayfield to a $30 million a year contract. If I knew I had May or Daniels waiting for me in the draft. And I loved both of those guys that that is my clear number one priority, but here's the issue for the Patriots. And here's the issue for everybody else who wants to discuss this. If you don't sign somebody like Baker Mayfield and you sign somebody like Jacoby Brissett, if you don't love one of those guys at number three, what's your future plan at quarterback? This isn't easy. Because I can't guarantee you and nobody can guarantee you that if you don't take a quarterback at three, that you're going to be able to get that next guy down the road. If it takes you four or five years to find that generational quarterback, to find that true franchise QB one, then the rest of your team is aging out while you're finding that guy. Finding a true stud QB one is the most difficult thing to do, I think, in all of sports. There's only three or four of those guys at a time, right, during an era. So the question is, do you sign somebody like Baker? If you don't love the guy at number three, do you sign somebody like Baker, surround that guy with talent, win football games, and try to rebuild your program by getting to the playoffs, even though you might not have a chance to win the championship, you're at least competitive and you're getting to the postseason, or are you willing to just kind of wait around and hope with your fingers crossed that, oh, man, we had the third pick this year, but we didn't love any of those guys. Hopefully in the 2025, 26, or 27 draft, we can find a quarterback that'll work. At some point, you've got to find a quarterback. And finding that guaranteed, surefire, stud, number one QB is, is far from a guarantee. So you are risking this idea of being in the endless cycle of trying to find that next guy. We're going to try to find that next guy. Try to find that next guy. You have no control over the quarterback classes coming out over the next three years. So the idea of, well, if you sign a mid-tier quarterback and you're winning eight or nine games, now you're stuck in purgatory. I understand that. But we can't put it all on the quarterback. There is a way to build the team where you have a quarterback that's a good quarterback that is surrounded by great talent, and you can go on runs. But if the answer is, well, Nick, we need somebody like Patrick Mahomes. We need somebody to battle Patrick Mahomes. Well, good luck. So does every other team in football. And this is what happened when the Patriots had Tom Brady, right? The rest of the league was SOL for, for a long period of time. So that's the difficulty in this. If it was easy to find that next quarterback, then yeah, then you pass up somebody like Baker. But if you don't love what you have in this draft coming up, then what are you going to do? Jacoby Brissett and win six or seven games and then have to move up in the draft and give up a ton of assets and hope that that guy hits? The Niners took a huge swing on Trey Lance. They swung and missed. But they had built up the rest of their team where they could actually survive with that and get to the Super Bowl, even though they swung on Lance. 
So none of these things are easy. I know we want a great quarterback. The problem is it's really difficult to find one of those guys. Daniel Dominguez, Super Chat. I appreciate you, Daniel. Love the idea of trading down because of all the holes in this team, but it has to be, like you said, a hall of picks, and I'd still get a QB in the low rounds like a Joe Milton, a J.J. McCarthy in the second. J.J. McCarthy is going to be very interesting. You know, we'll talk about J.J. McCarthy at some point here in the process. He is a very polarizing guy. Michigan did not ask a lot of him. They ran the football a ton. There's a lot of steam picking up with McCarthy and Jim Harbaugh's out there saying he thinks he's going to be the first quarterback drafted, which I don't think is going to happen. But a lot of draft pundits believe that McCarthy is going to absolutely freaking slay the pre-draft process, the combine, the pro days, all that stuff. And so if he goes out there and he shows out because he's got the arm, he's got the athleticism, the one thing about McCarthy, and it's cliche, but it's true with him, he has won football games at every level. He's a state champion in high school, obviously a national championship this year with Michigan. The guy's lost, I think, less than a handful of games through high school and college. So he wins games. But he wasn't asked to do a lot. And there are some things that you watch in Michigan, you go, I don't know if that's the guy I want leading my football team. But I do think we'll see J.J. McCarthy's name pop up an awful lot over the next few weeks, and he's going to drive He's going to drive a lot of teams to look at him and, and, and entertain the idea of drafting him in the first round, if not in the top 15. I wouldn't be surprised. It's the quarterback position. But I do like the idea that Daniel has overall. You know, if, if you do, if you do decide to pass on a quarterback at number three and you trade down a few spots, I still would take a swing at, you know, a, a quarterback in the middle rounds. I still would take that swing. I love the idea. And, and remember, it's, it's a Packers idea. And Elliot Wolf from the Packers organization, right, his dad, Ron, worked there for, for a long time. It's keep swinging at quarterback in the draft. Take a, take a quarterback every draft, every year. Not in the first round, not in the second, but keep taking your swings at that position because if you can hit, you can hit. If you hit in the third round or fourth round, fantastic. So don't just draft the guy and say, we're going to stay with that guy for the rest of our lives. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So it's a very difficult scenario when you don't have your quarterback. Scott, I think if you go Baker, you can then maybe go after Spencer Rattler in the later rounds, a guy who impressed the senior bowl, maybe need a couple of years of development. Yeah, Rattler's got a good arm. He's got a good arm. He's got good athleticism. He's not a big guy, doesn't have a big frame. 
there's some question about his maturity and his personality. Of course, I'm not going to comment on that. I don't know the young man personally. I have no clue. You'll have to go through the interview process, but you've got to believe that he's mature enough to one day be a starting quarterback in the league if you take him. He did have a good senior bowl week. Uh, he had a terrible supporting cast. I mean, I know he had Leggett, but he didn't have much else than that. And so his numbers weren't great this year, but Spencer Rattler is a name that if you get to the third round, fourth round, fifth round, he's one of those guys that you could take a swing at. Kyle C says, I don't mind trading with the Broncos. Their future picks are going to be super valuable. Their cap is totally screwed. Giants would be bad too. Yeah, I mean, the Giants, you know, there's some stuff that has come out recently about the Giants and how, you know, they're not necessarily attached to Daniel Jones long-term and that they will be looking at quarterback in this draft. To me, the Giants, the Falcons, if you slide down from three to six or three to eight, I can live with that because I think as long as you're in the top nine or ten, you're still going to have a chance to grab one of those top offensive players, right? You'll still have a shot at Neighbors and Adunze and Alt and Fashanu. You'll still have a shot at those guys. If you drop down to 11, 13, 15, now you're taking yourself out of the running to go after one of those guys. Now, maybe you trade down and then trade back up, but that's a lot of moving parts. All right, don't forget to like, like, comment, and subscribe. Holiday, what holiday? No days off this week, Monday through Friday, right here with the Nick Cattle Show. If you like the content, love the content, give us that thumbs up. It means the world to us. More eyeballs, more traffic, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter slash X. Let's continue this momentum with the program. It's all because of you. So like, comment, and subscribe. Trying to hit 2,000 subscribers by March 1st. The number is very important to me. We're under 100 away from that. So if you can help us there as well, we appreciate it. Bill O'Brien, we didn't get to this on Friday, but I wanted to get to this. So Mike Cadlick of EEI spoke to Bill O'Brien after his uh, Boston College press conference last week. And O'Brien said that he could have returned to the Patriots, but it was important. He thought it was important for Mayo to hire his staff. I think, number one, this tells us that this was Mayo's call. You know, if you're wondering about the offensive coordinator process, the guys that were interviewed, why was O'Brien not brought back? What Was O'Brien wanting to leave? Did Mayo want him to leave? I don't know if O'Brien's just trying to be diplomatic here, but if we take him at his word, O'Brien's telling us that he could have returned, but he wanted Mayo to hire what Mayo's, you know, what Mayo wanted at OC. He wanted Mayo to hire his staff, which tells me that Mayo did not want O'Brien to be part of his staff. He wanted to go in a different direction, and it seems clear. It seems clear because Mayo, according to O'Brien, Mayo passed on the opportunity to have O'Brien as his OC, and because of all of the interviews that we saw Mayo have along with Wolf. Almost all of those interviews were with guys that had a background in the West Coast offense, whether it was Shanahan, whether it was McVay, whether it was, you know, Kubiak, McCarthy. To me, it's pretty clear that Gerard Mayo wanted to get away from the Earhart Perkins offense as soon as he took over. Didn't want O'Brien back, didn't want McDaniels, and talked to people pretty much exclusively from that West Coast offensive tree. So for people saying Mayo didn't have a plan, I disagree with that. I also think it's important for Mayo to have his guys after last year, right? We, we saw all the reports. We saw, 
you know, we 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 saw the reported infighting in the coaching staff and how Gerard Mayo rubbed some guys the wrong way. That's what Greg Bedard wrote. So to me, it's like, yeah, give Mayo his staff. He should have his staff because he's the head coach. He should have the autonomy to make those decisions. And number two, if you have any questions about, you know, anybody on the staff that could cause some drama or problems within the staff, get them out. Get them out. If you got to purge some of these Belichick guys, then you purge the Belichick guys. And one more thing about this, if Mayo did make the decision on Bill O'Brien, and we believe Bill O'Brien, and Bill O'Brien says, look, I had a chance to return, but it was important for Gerard Mayo to have his staff, to be able to pick his guys, then it's clear to me that the Crafts did not get involved, which is good news. Bill O'Brien is a Kraft guy. Bill O'Brien was back here last year because Robert Kraft gave the thumbs up on that hire. So when you look at Bill O'Brien saying, hey, I could have returned, but I thought it was fair to Mayo for him to pick his guys, Jonathan Kraft and Robert Kraft are not making those decisions. They're not pushing Mayo. They allowed Mayo to make the call, which is a great thing. All right, we got a couple of super chats here. Nelson Lloyd jumps in. Should they get rid of Parker Smith and Thornton? Just over with the younger uh, start over with a younger wide receiver core. Pop born as the core pieces. Nelson, I would move on from Devontae Parker. I would move on from Juju Smith Schuster. I would sign a free agent, whether it's Calvin Ridley, Michael Pittman, Mike Evans. I said the guy that I would get last week when I looked at wide receiver in my approach, I would sign Calvin Ridley and I would double dip in the draft. So, yes, that's what I would do. I would try my hardest to trade Devontae Parker if I could. I don't know if you're going to get anything for him. I mean, the Patriots were able to trade John o. Smith, so anything is possible. And John o. Smith ended up going to Atlanta and playing well for Arthur Smith. So, hey, there was a, a, an offensive coordinator and a play caller that knew how to get something out of John o., just like he did in Tennessee with Arthur Smith, right? So, yes, that's what I would do. I would move on from Parker. I would move on from Juju. I would go out and sign one of these free agents. I would double dip in the draft. I would bring Kendrick Bourne back 100% on a make good deal because he's coming off of an ACL and then you've got pop. So in my perfect world, you've got Calvin Ridley wide receiver one, and then you've got two receivers from this draft between the second and fifth rounds. You've got pop coming back, obviously, and you bring back Kendrick Bourne. I think that's what you do. Appreciate the super chat. Appreciate the contribution. King Cato. Thanks for keeping Patriots content. A 12 month thing. Try my damnedest. Of course, we touch on other things as well, but there's so much Patriots news happening right now. Uh, we will get to when when this stuff calms down, which is probably post-draft, to be honest with you. We're going to talk Red Sox. We slide Red Sox in. We slide some Celtics in. We slide some Bruins in. Bruins playing in about, you know, just under 90 minutes. Got my Bruins hoodie on today. So we will get to that stuff as well. But, you know, the Patriots are dominating right now because this is such a huge, huge offseason. All right, don't forget to like comment, and subscribe. Trying to hit 2,000 subscriptions by March 1st. If you haven't given us a like yet, please do it. If you're watching the content and you enjoy it, even if you disagree with me, but you enjoy the fact that I do this Monday through Friday, give us that like. That thumbs up means everything. More eyeballs. Vital to this operation. I appreciate you. Aside from some wacky breaking news, we're back tomorrow at 11 a.m. It's the Nick Cattle Show.